the Koi Gig Pod. But we're too quick to drop off 3v1. That's been a problem that we actually stopped against Scotland because Neve Fahey stepped in to stop Caroline Weir. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head at performances with just lack that intensity. Uh, it is officially World Cup year now. We've been talking about it non-stop oh, wow. since, since the uh, Japan game and the All-Black game four years ago. But now we're entitled to do it every day if we want to. I hadn't thought of that. I thought you were talking about the Women's World Cup, but also the Rugby World Cup. The Rugby, the one, the one that um, has been like this kind of dread weight around our necks where there's this impending sense of doom and then, oh, lo and behold, first day out, Johnny Sexton breaks his face. It actually, no. it feels a lot more normal to be talking about it on January 1st than December 31st because it's the calendar year. You're like, okay, this, we can get away with it. But, can, but this, this isn't, and the Leinster PA is not in any red, green or amber in this either. Yeah, yeah no. Did we, st- we, we consider that? Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, we, 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 left that we, we actually didn't say it, but no. We, on this, the uh, the Monday is Tuesday of all time. Um, I am interested in what our, our, our viewers think about the latest controversy surrounding... Um, is it the Wolftones? It is the Wolftones. Yes. Celtic Symphony. Uh, banjo strumming troglodytes was how they were referred to by Rory Keane in the uh, Daily Mail this morning. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, wow, wow, that is... That's a fiery... Mm. But... um. Is that what people think? I, I, off the, I, that's off the band. That's the opinion of the band. Of the band, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, are you a big? Are you a big Wolf? wolf I enjoy tomer? the Wolf tones. I really do. I enjoy their songs. Are they, um, are they musically good? Are they musically talented for sure. Are they? Because I remember a couple of times some people not great uh, who'd be like the halftime at Croke Park, for example, <laughs> with some bad songs written specifically for the occasion. North, South, East and West Gaelic games is far the best that one <laughs> has stuck with me for my entire life that's a classic I can't remember I think it was some kind of mix and gathering of people who weren't normally uh, bandmates but I, I think a bit of trad gets people in the mood Irish people like a bit of trad and especially uh, but are they good trad? Uh, the Wolf Tones are top tier trad are they really though? Yeah, like, are yeah. they like proper you know I'm going to get some, some trad police in the, in the comments now telling me that they're, they're crap but no I, I, like, I enjoy them their songs Go on, you have an opinion, Colm? No, quiet. <laughs> look what's in the rain. you're putting up your finger. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's, sorry, I just wanted to get that in there. Give us, your, give us your views. Yeah, let us know what you think. Yeah, add off the ball on Twitter. Add off the ball AM specifically if you want to talk to us. Uh, 0879 is the WhatsApp number. And of course, you can leave a comment on the YouTube stream. Happy New Year to you all. Let's get into the misery mm. of Spurs and Liverpool. I love it. On this, the first performance rankings of 2023. We will start with Tottenham and Liverpool. We'll start with Tottenham, will we? Might as well. Spurs, uh, we thought that Stevens did draw against Brentford was, was the start of their comeback. That was, that was, that was them. A nice, nice little two-all draw against Brentford were uh, pretty decent. But that, uh, that home defeat to Villa on New Year's Day, the home fans booing as well, Antonio Conte coming up with his excuses after the match. It wasn't great, was it? Uh, conceding twi- at least twice in seven consecutive league matches for the first time since November 88. That's a ridiculous stat. Mm. You don't see that. and, and It's... it's Scarcely believable as well because they're constantly coming from behind in games. So any any games that they do actually manage to pluck a point or three out of, it's coming from behind, and that's not a that's not a hallmark of a of a solid team, is it? I mean, it's Spursy. Now I'll give them credit here. I'm looking at the names that were missing against Villa on New Year's Day: Kulusevski, Richarlison, Bentancur. But Christian Romero was back from winning the World Cup, and Hugo Lloris 
Well, I mean, to call that a howler, I think it's 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 fair enough. Ah, it was, it was look. I mean, I think it was complete howler. Somebody else could have stepped in, but like Villa were uh, World Cup hangover howler. Excellent in the second half. They were. I mean, I, look, he has been complaining incessantly about the situation at Spurs, constantly talking about other people's money. At some point, that seeps into the team, right? At some point, the team are like, "I mean, am I am I not good enough for you? Really? Am I am I am I that bad that you're desperately trying to replace me the whole time? Constantly complaining in the press? I don't know. I mean, we keep making the point. Everywhere he goes, he's won the league. So, is something going to happen? Is something going to turn around? Are they going to find all the money they need? Is Harry Kane going to stay now that he hasn't won another tournament? Yeah, I mean, lamenting the fact that they don't have a solid foundation. Yeah. After spending millions, like they got, they signed a lot of players for a load of money in the summer. Uh, I think they pretty much got a, most of his targets that he wanted. And now we're into January, and he's complaining about this. Like he strikes me as a guy who just doesn't want to be there. My brother-in-law is a season ticket holder there, and I was chatting with him after the Villa game. I was asking, was he part of the booing mob at half at full time? And he said, "Oh, one hundred percent." Because the reason is, is because he doesn't want to manage the club. And he's the wrong man for it. Because Conte wants experienced players. He doesn't want to build any sort of youth uh, and you know establish them into the first team after a couple of years. He wants instant success. And I think with Conte too, is historically, he struggles with the busy schedule. When Chelsea won the league under him in 2016-17, they just had the league to focus on. Mm. He likes one focus and he likes established players. He likes everything done for him and then he can be himself. But he kind of struggles with moulding together different personalities and players in different stages of their career and I was um, you know chatting to Brother Nog again and he was saying like um, Patch has to come back like Patch in the summer it's ideal for him because Kante strikes me as a guy who wants to go over the Juventus job or get another job again but I think he's done with Spurs and I think so, they, yeah. I think yeah like I, I've always questioned Kante's motivation at Spurs <clears throat> from the start even when they were doing well do you remember the Burnley game at Turf Moor he wasn't in that long and he was basically saying well it felt like he was leaving that way. yeah he was like I, I'm going to go and he, he strikes me as a guy who's about two or three games away all the time from wanting to leave Spurs and I, I, I don't think it would take and much yet, to do that and yet didn't they have their record breaking opening to the season it feels a long time ago now you know and they still do have a really gifted lavishly talented squad you know, I mean, the whole, it's going to take a miracle for us to finish top four. I mean, it shouldn't really. Like, Look at the table, yeah. They're, they're two off United. Again, extra players, granted. But, I mean, they're, they're still on 30 points in fifth yeah. place. There's a raft so. of teams who are two points apart yeah. at that stage, so there's no reason that they shouldn't. They, like, Spurs also started well under Nuno last season. Yeah. And that tailed off spectacularly. I, I know, it, like, obviously, Conte's on much more for Spurs. But he just strikes me as a guy who doesn't want to be there anymore. And he's not going to walk away because that would be madness. Because he's going to want to get his money. Um, and I really do think he's kind of you know probing the board to be like, look, if you don't want me here, and he just strikes me as a guy who who would rather move on. And I think he's he's a brilliant manager who's wrong for that club. Bit of credit for Villa as well, to be fair, Jer. I mean, it was a good performance, and I was over in Villa Park for that Villa United game before the World Cup started, and it's probably no surprise that Unai Emery brings a new manager bounce. Um, so while we take away from Spurs, we have to give credit to Villa for New Year's Day because I mean it was it was a good Villa performance. Uh, especially the second half, they really came. Yeah, not great in the first half, but better in the second half. But yeah. then you know they they did they did lose to Liverpool, which no one's doing at the moment. What was going on? Did they have a good Christmas? We'll put were, them they, were they overindulging? Bang into the red as well, Jer. So we might as well get get into Liverpool. Uh, and uh, not a not a nice morning to be waking up if you're a Liverpool fan because if you're watching that match yesterday against Brentford, uh, this three-one defeat, it really it's not just the result; it's the performance. They were crap. Uh, so much so that you had that triple substitution at half-time where you had Elliot Simicas and Van Dijk taken off. Um, 
And it really was no surprise to see them all being taken off. Simicast was, was brutal. Yeah, he attends every so often he has a game like that. He's he'll a throw it but He's a good um, player, but he throws it in every so often. Yeah, and, and it's like, it took Andy Robertson, someone of his leadership, to come on and do anything. You know, he was the one g them up. He created a few chances. The goal kind of came from um, from his side as well. Like It was just, I don't know. Uh, if you're looking at that Liverpool team at the moment and you're looking at their fixtures that are coming up, you're a bit concerned. Like, top four is a stretch. They're 15, was it 15 points off Arsenal? Four mm. off United with a game more played. Um, they yeah, need I, to finish. I, I think they have time to turn that around. There's only 16 games played. There's a lot of the season left. Like this. But what struck me in Liverpool in the second half is that they have a lack of leaders. Like, Robertson was the only standout mm. option as captain. And when they went 3-1 down, he was trying to rally the troops. And it was interesting to see the different reactions. And he, he called just kind of unofficial huddle. Right after Benford's third goal, yeah, and Canate, Canate was just livid over the decision to allow the goal, which I well, thought was perfectly fine. Like he just got shot out of it by Imbuemo. Canate was terrible. Like it was one of those games where very good players can have very, very, very bad games. Mm. But that was like a that was a one out of ten. That was a minus one out yeah. of ten. If you're what, if you're like keep, what are you doing there? But it wasn't just the own goal and that mistake. It was just the. Well, I mean, that was it, enough. It was individual <laughs> collective problem. But, but Brentford should have been four 0 up at half time, like they did against but Manchester. You got, got bullied for the goal, like uh, that, totally. That's a really bad sign because it's like it's not even just the the game smarts not to be playing for the free kick at that point where mm. all of a sudden if you don't get it you're screwed. It's just like the physicality, that, like the not being able to use your own physicality in that situation. That it, was it was moments though as well. Like even the the Vissa goal that was disallowed straight afterwards when Vissa scores the actual goal that, that is allowed a minute later. Allison plays the ball short, which you never see him do. You never see him hit a, a ball out that badly. And then Harvey Elliott just jumps over it. He's like, yeah, I, I, I don't think there was a problem with Allison. No. I really don't. And well, uh, they no, picked it up at half time, and they were like, "Why is he doing that?" I thought it was a perfectly fine. Why is Elliott jumped over it? Exactly. Yeah, Elliot, that was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. At that time, get a hold of the ball. Canati, I think, looked for the foul for the third goal because he lost track of the ball over his head yeah. and lost confidence, and he, he panicked. And what am I going to do now? I'm going to try and get the free. But in his, if he was playing confidently, he would have done exactly the opposite and shouldered and Buemo out of the way and started a counter-attack for Liverpool. So this, the stat popped up about Trent being the uh, joint most creative player in whatever period of time. Himself and De Bruyne had the same number of assists. I don't know how far back that goes. Is it two seasons, three seasons, however long it was, whatever the stat was. Yeah. Like, his inability to defend um, for whichever the first first goal was it the first goal where he gets sucked in and is like looking at the ball over his head and it's like oh, oh that's this good. header the second goal good, good, sorry yeah second goal it's a good header isn't it a surprisingly good header from there yeah maybe you know I could have put a bit of pressure on the ball like that's just a coaching issue mm. that like that's not that's nothing to do with him being you know uh, like too good going forward or in the wrong position like as a as a player like oh, he's actually a centre midfielder trapped at a right back it's like that's just bad coaching he hasn't been coached Enough to go, when this is happening, where are you supposed to be? Okay, let's do that again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do that again. Yeah, personal responsibility for Alexander-Arnold at this stage of his career. I mean, presumably he knows what the set-piece coach wants from him, which is to get goal sides. And I think in that instance, he was caught between well, the winger and the forward. He's obviously not goal. being held accountable then. So it's it's well, we don't, well it's not showing that he's not, but it, maybe he is, but it's not showing. Okay, but it's it's a collective responsibility. Sure, there's yeah. definitely he he definitely has. What I'm saying is, you can't be taking him out of the team because he's obviously very creative. Mm. But whoever's fault it is, that needs to be fixed. And you can't you can't like say that it's not somehow on the coaches. 
to be pointing this out going why are you doing this we should again though on that give credit to, to Brentford and what Thomas Frank has done because Mbumo and Visa are two of the type of forward pairs that Liverpool hate to come up against and that, that's without Ivan Tony in that uh, Brentford attack as well but Visa particularly in that goal that you mentioned Jerry, like, yeah Trent was, Trent was caught but Visa's movement was brilliant um, and, and he was class the whole game Mbumo got man of the match I think he was excellent got a deserved ovation he was being taken off as well um, and Klopp's comments after the game yeah. we oh, know, let's talk about this so we yeah. know he has excuses always, but like what, what what a baby what exactly is he giving out about he's given you lads were saying before that he's given out about the third goal for one yeah. which is ridiculous do you have the, do you have those quotes in, I have them here like it's crazy on, what was he saying Brentford create chaos with set pieces when I say they stretch the rules they do in offensive set pieces don't get me wrong it's smart but they do if you single out all the situations you could find five fouls but because it's so chaotic no one sees it in the end now that does not look good in writing or verbally when you actually listen to him say it well he's such a bad loser he's, he is and we know this he's a notoriously yeah. bad loser and it's one of the most enjoyable things in world sport watching if you're not a Liverpool fan obviously you know um, is watching the various ways that he finds to explain what's the grass, going on the pitch wasn't good that isn't actually the truth no. Now, he did acknowledge later on in that same paragraph that they were at fault for the goals. Yeah. You know, he did acknowledge that, but oh. he, he always has to get something in there. But a lot of those, like Alex Ferguson used to do it all the time as well. Like, oh. you know, he did always be a deflection tactic. Is it the mark Jose of a winner? Mignon. It's the mark of a winner. It's, not the, mar- oh, it's the mark of a bad loser. It's the mark of a bad loser. Yeah, a bad it, loser, it but also a winner. The, well, the greatest managers in the history of the game all seem to be bad losers. Because they're so I, not used I'm, to losing. Uh, no, I think this is all like a difference between um, cause and effect here. It's like... Uh, I, I'd say that there are loads of other bad losers who are also involved in football who aren't also great managers. Being a bad loser doesn't make you great. No, but they do have it in common, the great managers of the game. Jose Mourinho being probably the, the biggest example of it. Like, he would definitely have come out and said this, similarly, when he was the peak of his managerial... <laughs> when he was the peak of his managerial prowess. Uh, he did... He, apparently he's going to get in trouble for this one, right? Um, uh, the Liverpool manager was unhappy with Brentford's tactics at set pieces and said in an answer as to whether he had complained about it. Yeah, but that's exactly the same as I would talk to my microwave. You get no response. It's always the same. Before the season, they gave us advice that the players have to be careful at this moment, set pieces, because the refs will have an eye on it. And you see these games and pretty much everything is allowed. It's always on the edge and they're using it. I mean, like, welcome to football, Jürgen. You're an incredibly experienced manager. Um... If you're talking to your microwave for starters, you're in trouble, aren't you? I, I don't know why the this is the Telegraph thing that he's going to get in trouble for that. That was on B in Sports afterwards. He was saying that um, I'm not sure that I buy the Carragher thing about like it's just the same as the Arsenal evolution where they became too technical. I mean, maybe maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what putting Thiago in the team has somehow turned them into this. But I don't doesn't feel like that's what's happening here. It feels like it's a bad organization, mm. bad organization of set pieces. Like that's not. I'd, I'd love to see the the uh, deep dive on the intensity stats, like the sprints and the distance travelled. Obviously, is the easiest one, but like more important, the high high number of sprints. Like, is it is it Sadio Mane? Is it a, is it a combination? Really good technical analysis from other teams working out what it is that Liverpool are doing and then saying well, we're going to stop you doing that. It's the lack of replenishment in midfield, isn't it? They haven't signed a midfielder since Thiago. And they badly miss Henderson last night, which isn't a good look because Jordan Henderson is not the player he once was. No. But they looked very depleted in midfield. 
quality wise. Mane is a fair point. I think you're missing a guy there. I don't think Darwin Nunez has been like Captain Chaos, as Jimmy Carragher calls him. He took his offside goal very, very well. Oh, beautiful! Last night. Oh, Nunez isn't the problem. Like no, Nunes he can't. He can't be the problem. Fine player. Like he, he, he misses chances, but the goals okay. will come for him. The goals will come. Yeah, but he's a good player. But are oh, they far worse? Uh, problems than that, don't they? Yeah, for sure. But they are in the red, lads, on this performance rankings this morning. We move on to to the other red. It's uh, it's Ulster rugby, and uh, I feel like they've been in the red a little bit of, uh, of late. Unfortunately for them, they led fourteen points to five against Munster with uh, with thirteen minutes left. You felt this is going to be this is going to be a good day for Ulster. They're going to get it done, and then Ben Healy out half off the bench for his first appearance since the win over South Africa back in November, and he does the business, gets the try, converts the try himself as well, and it's a one point win from Munster. Uh, a lot of happy Munster fans no doubt watching this morning, but we did want to put uh, put Ulster in the red, and I think rightly so because if you read the comments from from Dan McFarland, the uh, Ulster head coach after the match, he was not holding back, and he wasn't making excuses. This was not a Jurgen Klopp uh, um, move from Dan McFarland. He said we were terrible. I don't want to take anything away from Munster. That was a game where we decided our own fate. He points out the fact that they had the ball eleven times in the Munster twenty-two and lost it ten times of those eleven. That's just not good enough. Um, he says the only time we held on, uh, held on to the ball for long phases, we scored a magnificent try. When they held on to the ball, they looked magnificent. Random chip kick when it's not on, turning over in contact, slow to break down. Uh, that was always going to come back and bite us. McFarlane not holding back, lads, and no. I think um, it's trouble time for, for Ulster. And I think one of the first things he said in the immediate post-match chat was, uh, we were careless, and by that we were without care. Which is, you know, that is damning indictment. And I think what Stephen Ferris is saying afterwards is like, that's all well and good, that's great. But you can only call out your players so often. Yeah. So now he's now he's put himself under pressure by doing that because they're not going to be happy with him. This is chaos at the moment because when you think about like they're a man up and they're winning the game against Leinster and it's a big moment for them. And since then they've been since then yeah pretty awful. Mm. Like you know the mad comeback against La Rochelle, but the game is over first yeah. half. Like yeah. the game is already over. So okay, great, you're able to do something when there's no pressure on you. And then a winning Panics position, a winning yeah. position against a team who. You know, are, are still finding their way at the moment. Munster aren't the finished uh, version of what Munster are going to be at all. So we're going to talk to Quinny in yep. 15 minutes in more detail about this, but uh, they should absolutely be in the red. This is very close to them being back to basket case territory. That's uh, If you're an Ulster rugby fan, we'd love to hear from you this morning. Uh, give us your thoughts. You can leave a comment on the YouTube stream. You can get us at Off The Ball AM. Yeah, trouble. Benton for, uh, for Ulster this, uh, this Saturday away. And then the small matter of visiting La Rochelle. Uh, which could spell disaster for Ulster, so they're going to need a big performance there. So, if, uh, without doubt, Ulster in the red this morning on the performance rankings. We're going to go to the darts for our amber and put Gerwin Price into the amber. Uh, it's definitely a mixed one. I think it deserves to be in the amber this morning because um, for anyone who watched uh, Gerwin Price's match the other day, he lost, needless to say, but um, he wasn't exactly enjoying the banter and crack and abuse, let's, let's be honest, from some of the Ali Pali fans at the PDC World Darts Championship the other, mo- the other day. Uh, I think we've had a couple of photos as well, maybe, of... Uh, so there he's got the... He came out for one of the sets with um, ear defenders on. Now, <laughs> he was just geeing up the crowd a little bit as well. He was making a point, you can see after, I can't hear you. And clearly he couldn't hear because he's got these ear defenders. I think if, if he has any uh, business sense, he'll come out with uh, his own line of ear defenders, Garen Price, at some point now. Um, look, he was one of the favourites for this tournament. He's the world number one. He was the number one seed. So he wasn't happy going down the way he was going down. And he ended up losing, I think it was 5-1 on yeah. sets as well. Like He hit a 180 as soon as he came out with the ear defenders on. He kept adjusting the ear defenders at different parts. They weren't comfortable. He took them off for the next set and just used the tiny little in-ear plugs. Um, now, I've put him in amber because I'll give him some credit. 
the abuse apparently in Ali Pali towards some of the players at Gerwin Price gets a lot of it is quite difficult and they have to listen to that especially when it's I, I don't think the players mind when it's really really loud in there and there's constant chants and singing it's when it gets a little bit dark and or, um, quiet and there's little in between moments where you can actually hear what individual people are saying yeah. I think that's what Gerwin Price doesn't like so at different points you'll see Gerwin Price with the year defenders on geeing up the crowd because he wants them to be louder so we can't hear the individual people yeah um and there's, look, no, there's no tennis or uh, rugby-like protocol yeah. or etiquette among the fans at crucial times when they're throwing the dart. Yeah. And, and look, Garen Price, the, some of the, if you're, I've been watching the darts constantly over Christmas. Constantly. And the, the, co- the yeah, 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 Touré chant. I swear on my life, if I ever have to listen to that again, I don't know why it's reared its ugly head again at the darts. I guess it's good fun to do because everyone stands up and then sits down for colo. But please stop it. Like, it's the same chance on repeat. You'd swear they just pressed a play track this every is, night. Uh, no Limits by Two Unlimited, is it? Is that the... Is that the, the chant? Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. That's the way it goes. Do they do the colo part? They do it all, yeah, all of it. Yeah, yeah. The whole lot. That, Sorry, I, I, did, I wanted to stop. I didn't want people to, to have to listen to the entire thing. But there are there are chants and, and moments of the darts in the crowd where you're like, Jesus, I can't think of anywhere... I, Less rather be than there, but it looks like good fun. I, I thought that was I thought that was your stick. I thought you. No, I, I definitely enjoy it, but it, that that chant. But you can't you can't say I like a little bit of this hashtag band, but not the rest of it. Is that not like? Is this not the raison d'etre? Of so no, I'm, I'm just pretending I'm mature. If I was there, I'd be in the middle of that. Oh chant. yeah, top off, swinging it round. Yeah, I'd have with a like, jersey over my head. Well, and some some weird body paint spelling out something. Yeah. No doubt. Should we make uh, anything of um, Price's comments afterwards on the Instagram story where he said, uh, so frustrating you play all year round preparing for this one tournament. So gutted I wasn't let play, presumably referring to the crowd. Mm. Good luck everyone left in. Not sure I will ever play this event again. Ah. All that there. All that. Bit of lip from the Welsh. So he's not going to play the, the World Championships as the world number one and the number one seed next season. For which, the by the way, there's five hundred. There's half a million pounds sterling for the winner. All right. And he's won it before. So, I mean, he's not going to turn down that money. Okay. Um, so, yeah, put current price there. Look, give him a little bit of leeway. He got, he got abused. But, um, I mean, the year defenders, a bit much. Although hilarious. So thank you for that, Gerwin. Kieran O'Connor says, love the show. Keep up the good work. Colin Foley says, happy new year, lads. Damien says, happy new year. Been working through Christmas and New Year's. Would have liked a little bit of OTB to start my day. Um, sorry, Damien, we're back now. Oh, we had a bit it of was we had a few shows. Yeah, we had a bit of shows. Um, I got a text saying, God, you're very busy over Christmas and New Year's. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Uh, maybe we needed to premiere the stuff on, on YouTube so that um, Damien was getting his fix. He, w- he would have been if he was subscribed to the channel. There you go. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, slap down. Uh, Happy New Year to you too, Damien. From me, anyway, but not from Colin. That's from you, Damien. Uh, any insight on the club takeover of English clubs, Manchester United and Liverpool? Not yet. We'll get back to that later on in the week. Uh, great to see the prevailing opinion of sports journalists feel Villa's win versus Spurs was because Spurs were poor, not because Emery gave Conte a tactical masterclass, says Barbalazza83. Uh, nine points from 15. Villa deserves something from the Liverpool game. Emery surely in contention for Manager of the Month. Don't want Manager of the Month awards. Don't they? Don't, uh, you, you, like, they're pointless. Uh, Joe Canary used to brag about having won four or five of them. In the different stages of his career, he did actually win little baubles of manager of the month but because they're in danger of losing momentum if oh, you were yeah. manager of the month the chair believes in you know, my, my you'd be afraid comment, of that now my favourite uh, comment, comment column is new year new chair putting the young lads in their place as is necessary happy new year lads of course chair being 54 the same age as, as Daniel Craig you wankers are in trouble I'm <laughs> telling you I'm coming for you <laughs> Uh, you can't possibly make yesterday about Trent. He was excellent, says Rory Marr. In fairness, says Nigel Gallagher, if Trent left the guy behind him free and he scored, he would have been criticised. 
Trent actually defended well in the last few games, I thought. I do think, though, that like um, you've got to address the problems, and there are multiple problems here. Not being able to defend from set pieces, being scared of big lads lumping the ball in the box, like that's not a good sign. Being scared of, you know, the ball being punted over you because you're playing your high line, but everybody isn't quite on board with this. Um, Van Dijk apparently has a hamstring injury. At least that's what they were saying in the aftermath of the game. So we'll see if he misses any game time. Or if he was being punishment substituted, who knows? Do you think they said that to uh, I don't make know. less of a story? Yeah. Maybe, maybe. It'd be legitimate. Yeah. It would make sense. We'll move on to the Green Lads this morning. Evan Ferguson. Um, I was up out of my seat when Evan Ferguson scored, I have to say, watching that uh, Brighton Arsenal game the other day. The goal meant nothing in reality. Uh, almost mounted a comeback. They got a second and then had a goal disallowed. Um, but really, it was all about Evan. We step over for the first goal. He was involved in the third goal as well, I think, that was disallowed. Um, and he took his goal really, really well. He's just strong, six foot two, eighteen years of age. Um, Betty's town, I think we're going to call him the Betty's town man. Um, a lovely fella, quiet fella. Uh, Evan, I was interviewing him there recently enough uh, for for ourselves, and he's just a lovely, lovely lad. And clearly, clearly highly thought of at Brighton. Um, I was kind of worried for him. You know, when, when Graham Potter left the club, you're thinking, right, Deserby's coming in. It's never easy for a young lad when when a new manager has to get to know you all over again. It's a bit of trouble, but. Clearly, Roberto Deserby thinks the same of him as Graham Potter did. Yeah. He apparently stays after training as well with Danny Welbeck and a couple of the, the uh, leading Brighton strikers to do the extra shooting practice and stuff and picking up little tidbits of information from them. Um, I look, I don't want to put pressure on Evan Ferguson. Come on, keep the pressure on. This is football. That's the whole point. Okay. He's going to be the new Robbie Keane. What he's going to overtake about? Robbie's record, lads. Yeah. He's going to do it. Well, he's got to have it in his sights. Come on. Course. Good thing about this it was at a consolation goal, so it'll be quickly forgotten about. But because Aaron Connolly had the brace to beat Spurs, and then we wouldn't stop talking about him for about two months afterwards, and we know what happened then. So maybe this will be a more subtle uh, emergence of a great player. Yeah, but Roberto De Serbia, kind words to say about Ferguson afterwards as well. Mm. He categorised him among a number of young players at Brighton, so he didn't um, highlight him per se individually, but he said he's one of a number of very good young players we have, which I think is perfect for his development. And at 18 years and 72 days, he becomes Ireland's youngest Premier League goal scorer beating Michael Obafemi by 100 days Class. and he becomes Brighton's youngest Premier League goal scorer beating Aaron Connolly Aaron Connolly is definitely something that you hope that Evan Ferguson's camp are saying look this can happen or Robbie Keane can happen you, you, you can definitely dedicate yourself to your craft and make sure that you are cutthroat and uh, ruthless in the pursuit of being the number one striker at this club or you know uh, yeah. you could end up playing in Serie B or not even playing in Serie B at the moment but um, as Kathleen pointed out pre-show kind of we could be seeing more of him now on the, on the verge of a move to Hull City um, from Vicenza like it's not too late for Connolly by the way just to say no, he just no. needs to change his attitude but he's, he's a fine player like it's naturally talented Hull's a good move for him with, well, yeah. you know, we'll see. Yeah, but it's like up to him, isn't it? <laughs> David Myler speaks highly of the of the club and the people and and all the rest. Of the oh, culture. I don't think this he is needs a, good people around him. Yeah. It's got to that stage of his career where he needs he needs good people around him, and it could go. It could very easily. It could very easily be finished for him. Mm. That's what like that's the truth about where Connolly is at at the moment in his career. He's not going to get many more chances. He had a chance. He's had several chances um, at this stage, and that's. Uh, really impressive aggression that he had and ball skills that he had will only carry you so far after that you've got to make sure that you're, you're completely dedicated to it and whatever it was that was influencing him in his life not to dedicate himself properly to uh, to making it 
uh, if that's not cut out then he's going to end up not playing football in 18 months You mentioned in the first leg of the 21s against Israel afterwards he played very well in that game yeah. uh, in Dublin and he said that I've got my love of the game back mm. and I, I suppose that was a worrying thing to hear from someone so young that he so quickly fell out of love with the game um, Mad, but, isn't it? Yeah. yeah but look it was I suppose it was a factor of on and off field issues but like Look, hopefully there's m- more than enough time for him to resurrect his career. Uh, De Zerbi and Chelsea and uh, Chelsea didn't make it here. Like, what? what? De Zerbi uh, and Chelsea? Abdication of, um, well, Potter. Like, mm. Potter and Chelsea should have been in the red, right? That's what I'm just saying. Well, they drew. Couldn't love them in as well, maybe. They drew. Well, I mean, as you know, there's limited spaces. There's limited spaces. Yeah. Let's keep going. Yeah. Final uh, green space this morning. I think deservedly so because we don't really give them an, enough attention or perhaps praise regardless of the fact that they're at the top of the Premier League table, is Arsenal. Uh, definitely the top of the green on this morning's performance rankings in OTBAM. Uh, lads, I don't know what you thought, but the performance was very good against Brighton. Uh, played well, they conceded a couple of goals, which wasn't great. But I think Arteta is the type of manager who likes having something to work on and something to give the players a bit of a G up as well. Um, the match tonight's going to be interesting. Newcastle. Arsenal's home record, regardless, is very good, but their home record against Newcastle at home mm. is very, very good. Um, Martin Odegaard was outstanding against Brighton he that had, pass like, oh, oh my god for Martinelli oh, one of the best assists you'll see all season if not the best because the pass into him put him under a little bit of pressure Thomas Partey yeah. put him into a sentiment position and there's just the wherewithal to see it and then to execute it yeah oh, he's, he's unbelievable Emile Smith-Rowe to come back tonight Jesus is still out but maybe back next month it uh, would be great for the Premier League if Arsenal won the title I can't believe they're in this position they're 7 points clear mm. 7 <laughs> you know? and they could be they could be 10 tonight for a temporarily at least they do have tough games coming up. Very tough. Starting Man City tonight. double bill. Yeah, yeah I mean, then the, the Man City I think City they'll win tonight, alright. You think so? Oh, yeah, I think so. They have a superb record against Newcastle and Newcastle didn't score against Leeds. Mm. Weren't too Newcastle's great. So. record, though, it doesn't really matter anymore. That's like saying, oh, they had a great record against Man City and then the money came. Yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, the money came but they haven't signed superstar players. As someone said recently on Twitter, it was like, the scary thing about Newcastle is they're in their Adebayor and Bellamy phase. From yeah. Man City, they're only in their very early phase of signing players. So I'll give it a couple of windows, and they'll be superb on paper. I At the moment, they're just good on paper. I think they've skipped the Adebayor and Bellamy phase. They're not buying any dilettantes, and they're not buying any. I uh, think that like Almiron has become a they're just being smart. Guimaraes yeah. is a very good player. They just have very good players, and they have a very good team. But wasn't that Sven? Wasn't wasn't Sven in charge for that? For Man City, no, that was before Taksin Shinoatra. So Sven's last game was Shinoatra's last game. Uh, as owning the club they got hammered like 8-0 so away to was, Middlesbrough it was, um, Mark Hughes so Hughes and Sparky came in did, did Vincent Sven Company. replace no uh, Hughes replaced Sven in 2008 right so, so Sven had one season in charge 07-08 they beat Man United in the Manchester Derby in the September Sven and then he started so he started brilliantly and then completely ta- tapered off and then they signed Vincent Company in a free transfer and it looked like it was a standard Man City team and then was it the last day of the the transfer window in summer 2008 the lads came in and history was made. The rest as they say. Yeah. You watched that documentary, did you? Which? The Sky the, the Sky Man City documentary. No, I just no. remembered it. All right, wow. Yeah. We're, get, we're getting into the hype of, of Arsenal. Ten points to lead tonight if they win. And our, obviously City played Chelsea on Thursday, but I mean, we'll know by the end of this month when they, when they get through these games. Tottenham away, United at home as well then. We'll know. obviously start talking about the uh, transfer windows because they've been linked with um, Mudrick. Is that the correct pronunciation? Oh, yes. Sattar. Yeah, yeah, quality player. Yeah, they're going to have to spend the, the eighty-five. He's very good. They're going to have to spend the eighty-five million. Apparently, that's what Shakhtar want. They've offered fifty-five, so maybe maybe that happens now, and maybe they win the league, and maybe they're in the Jude Bellingham stakes out of nowhere. Possibly, you know, they've lost one. They've lost one in fifteen. It's not bad. They're going to do a Leicester twenty fifteen sixteen start really well. 
and then uh, eventually seal out. Right. By, by the way, so we had our crystal ball, remember, before the, yeah. before the year? And one thing Nathan said, and it stood out to me ever since, was one thing I can tell you for sure is Jude Bellingham will not be playing for Arsenal. So if it happens, we may pull that clip right out. There you go. That was your first Gillette Labs performance rankings of 2023, folks. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette.